0: Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, our hosts will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside
1: peek into how they lead their business to success in the ever-competitive business climate.
0: Welcome to another episode of Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Today I'm speaking with Corey Spike Carter, a strategic communication specialist that helps entrepreneurs Women owned businesses and nonprofits elevate their profiles and engage with the right audience to help their business succeed. Welcome, Corey. Thank you for joining me.
1: Hi, good morning. Thank you.
0: This is very exciting. I'm glad that we're finally doing this. Uh, can you tell me what a strategic communication specialist is <laughs> and a little bit about yourself so that the audience can catch up? Because I know right. you.
1: Clearly, and a very important professional. Um, <laughs>
0: uh,
1: I am someone who uh, has been, has a background in public relations and marketing and communications, and I have worked for uh, specific specialized firms as well as integrated firms, meaning you can get soup to nuts in terms of services and branding uh, services as well. And why I'm a strategic marketing professional is because uh, at the end of the day, we all know that if you are a business, you are trying to sell your product or service to specific audiences. And that may be a consumer audience, that may be a, a B2B audience, but somehow you need to reach them. There needs to be a level of awareness. They need to get information before they can make a decision to make a purchase or an agreement with you. And it's not as easy as saying, well, I have a website, or I'm on Facebook. Um, Those things may be completely appropriate for your business, but there's a lot of thinking that has to happen uh, before you can actually make those marketing decisions. You need to understand You know, what are those attitudes and behaviors that your audience already has that exist? You know, is there, do you want them to change? Do you want them to maintain those? And based on what you can do, how can you most benefit them? And when you know that, you know what's important to them, you can start to figure out, well, how can I tell my story in the most compelling way to them? And on what channels? So there's lots of different layers of, that go into making these decisions. And that's why it's, um, there is a strategy that's required.
0: It is, um, I think, ideal for going into the new year to uh, do a show about this. Uh, uh, Lance and Alex have both had guests on that talked about marketing. And um, what I think is interesting is that we all feel it's important to be able to communicate with the right audience. And when I say the right audience, it's, um, you know, who our customers are. Um, so... Uh, going into 2021, I think it's helpful to, like, really speak about, one, what is a strategic communication specialist, which you just covered, but then how do you identify as a business owner, like, what you need if you're going out and looking for, uh, the backstory here is that you're free, you're freelance, and we found each other, and I was Mm -hmm. able to, like, uh, kind of help you, you helped me um, identify what my needs are in order to, like, broadcast our message. Um, So how does a business owner figure that out?
1: Well, the great thing is that any type of informational meeting that you have with either a freelancer like myself or even if if it's a big integrated agency, any type of initial meeting that you have with someone is going to be at no cost. So really, the investment that you're making there is your time, which I also know can can be limited. But um, there's a couple of things to think about, I guess. Uh, The first is really just understanding what's available to you um, and and what position you're in. Are you someone that is just a new startup? You've only been in business a very short period of time, even a couple of years, and have never really done any marketing, and you're really starting from scratch? Or Mm -hmm. are you someone that um, is established in your business and either you need a refresh or you need a gut check on if you're doing the right things, or maybe competitively, you know, the market's getting tougher. And so you need to make some more noise. Uh, there's a little bit different approach if you're established or a startup. If you're a startup, sometimes that means a little bit more initial upfront funds to get things going. Um, but you know, first and first and foremost is that there are options. So if you understand the landscape. Yes, there are people out there, uh, there are these full service in integrated agencies where you can go and you can sit in a room with um, the web expert and the PR expert and the marketing expert and the, the the SEO expert and the where you will have a team of essentially, you know, it could be anywhere from four to 10 people that are ready to, to, to give you everything that your business could need. And There are pros and cons to all of these situations. So some people like that, some people like the fact that they have a full team of people to count on, everyone has an expertise in their area. Um, But certainly, if you're looking for that level of support, it's gonna be more expensive just because uh, there are rates that people have and um, that can can add up. Uh, But it also is totally appropriate in some situations. There's also a mid layer uh, between something like that and someone like me who works independently which is more of a boutique agency, uh, which is smaller and offers all of those services, or or a specialized agency that may specialize. Um, you see that a lot now with digital agencies, people that are doing completely uh, online marketing or things with social media. That things that have a technical expertise tend to be more uh, boutique specialized like that. And uh, then, of course, there are these. This, there's freelance networks and. To be honest, it's a huge, particularly with, with marketing and PR and, and that, those sorts of things, because you can work so much uh, remotely. Um, there's a ton of folks out there that are helping people uh, in, in that way. And those costs tend to be a little bit less. And um, But, you know, the pros and cons of that are that if you reach a limit to what your person knows, they're either going to have to help you chase down additional help. Uh, or be in the same boat you would be and figure it out, um, which is not always a bad thing, but it's just a reality of it. So, in terms of finding people, I, uh, you know, that I would really, I really, I really suggest that people do a few things. One is to um, maybe meet with these different levels of support just to see what feels right to you. Um, And also how you can find them, Google search, just like you would find your business. Um, You can also go to any of your local uh, professional chapters. So the Advertising Federation uh, or the Marketing Associations all have chapters in the the larger metropolitan areas. Um, As well as if you contact a a local Public Relations Society of America, all those folks can tell you uh, who freelancers might be. They can tell you who the, the, the major players are in the market and can start to funnel you at least some names. Uh, this is also just like any other industry, everyone's connected. So Lindsay, you and I met and we hit it off, which was great, but we met through a mutual friend who also does what I do. And if you didn't like me, how could you? I mean, I can't imagine a situation like <laughs> that. Uh, Let's just say you did it, hypothetically. You know, I could have given you five other names of people to talk to as well. So, you know, hopefully you get lucky early on in the process and it doesn't become a big goose chase for you. But there are a number of different ways in which that you can be uh, supported. So kind of understanding that that's all out there for you is is important to know
0: one of the greatest things that uh the exercises that we've done together is well for one you put together an incredible marketing strategy which is an outline uh for me to review to identify and create a hierarchy of like you know what we wanted to cover you know i was starting from scratch and you know there's a lot to cover and so creating a hierarchy Mm -hmm. as to like what to tackle first was really Important, um, and I think what was interesting is that once that marketing strategy, uh, which literally is an outline that you put together, it's a PowerPoint deck of all of the all just like the tactical things that we needed to accomplish in regards to figuring out demographic, psychographic, geographic audience. Like those are those are important. Who your where your audience lives, what they're thinking. Um, and what, you know, what are their circumstances? What are their age range? What's their um, income levels? Like, what is, how are you going to create the most value for those customers? Um, So we had covered that. And then we kind of went on this exploratory mission to find um, an agency, because there was so much that I needed to accomplish, whether it was website or social media. And so you and I went to a fair few agency meetings and you were helping me um, kind of decipher if the, if the agency was going to be a good fit for a startup. And it is hard. It is really hard to find an agency that has, as you described, like all of the um, tactical departments that can help you get your website developed, can handle your social media, can do geofencing, like all the fancy things. Um, but when we got to the end of it, it was sort of like, I could sit in those meetings. And if I hadn't had you, uh, to decipher that with that industry know-how, I think I would have been spinning my wheels.
1: Well, it's, it's, it's interesting because, you know, we, you can go to a large agency and be really, really impressed because they do amazing work and they have all of the tools and the spaces available to do it. Um, And if money was no object, yeah, work with them for sure, you know? Um, But I think what we found the case with you in your company is that first and foremost, I was there to listen to you. And so I needed to listen to what you already knew and what you didn't know and what you wanted to know. And based on me understanding marketing, I needed to put those pieces together about, okay, how can we fill in these gaps? How can we, how can we, you know, do we need, we need to do some research. What what, what, what do we need to do here um, to fill in those gaps, to help us make some good decisions. And also, I think what we found was that, you know, we could, there is something about like doing everything all at once which sounds appealing to get it all done. But at the end of the day, there's only so much time in your day. And particularly if you're a startup and you need to be developing messages and maybe your company is nimble enough where it's taking a turn. So your marketing needs to be nimble enough where it's taking a turn. Sometimes just parceling things out and just getting one thing done so that you can lead to the next thing and get that done is completely okay. (laughs) And, And in fact, the best way to do it so that you, as someone who feels like you're assuming risk because you're putting money out to do this sort of thing, that you feel good about it, and you feel like it is like lending itself to the next thing, and although you know it would have would have would have been wonderful to achieve everything you wanted to achieve in the first six months, sure, but I don't know about you, but I feel very comfortable with the way that things have evolved in the sense that it's everything feels like you feels like your company and. You know, it's a great foundation moving forward. You said something earlier, which made me think about actually like the idea of the construction industry. This whole idea of planning and strategy is the same as, I hear you say a lot where the planning is the marathon and the building is the sprint. Same thing here, really, when it comes to your marketing. If you don't take the time to really understand what your customers care about and who your customer is and how they perceive what you're doing, um there's no way that you really can effectively communicate with them on purpose it might just be you might be getting lucky a little bit um so it really is important to take that time to like for instance we we had a focus group right when we first initially started working together we said all right we think it's this it's probably this in terms of who our audience is but let's test it so We did some surveys and we did some focus groups and we heard from people. And yeah, they, a lot of things that you thought they backed up, but we also learned and heard some other things that have, you know, rang true and, and, and helped kind of guide, you know, refine target audiences a little bit, a bit more, but what those types of things do, um, in addition, we also looked at your, what you were doing and did a communications audit. And what that means is we basically, we're gonna score everything from one to five in terms of what you were doing. So your current website, any of your social stuff, your, your postcards in your office, the leave behinds that you give your customers, um, your, your business cards, all that type of thing, your logo, um, which isn't the end all be all, but it's a part of it. Um, and said, what things are working for us effectively in terms of, of reaching these people and in terms of who we really are as a company. And that started to give us a sense of priorities, too, that we're like, OK, well, the, you know, we really need to address this website issue, not because it's not good, but because what we're realizing about BIM is that people need more education. And our website is, is, is just it's, it's skimming the surface right now. So that gave you a priority uh, to move forward. So you know, we do all this stuff to collect information so that the decisions that we're making are informed it's the why behind our decisions like why are we doing this and sometimes instinctually people can figure that out but to have a good solid footing um it, it does it's important to do those things
0: yeah uh i was riding in the car one day and i was with my husband and he was we're, our now 14 year old was four at the time and uh yeah. My husband asked my son, what's a you know, what's the definition of a hypothesis?" And my husband started to uh, <laughs> give his own definition. It was really, really long. And then my son in the backseat at four says, "Well, it's an idea you can test." And yes, cracked nice. <laughs> up because he was four, but he had the benefit of like watching, I don't know, did the science kids. Um, But I think what was <laughs> great about what that outline did, is it gave us the ideas that we needed to test and helped identify bottlenecks that were hindering our ability to communicate with our clients. And it's interesting because I will say, and I've heard lots of experts say, that your um, your marketing is not your logo. But it is, if you have one piece of your puzzle that doesn't feel right or doesn't communicate a message that you want it to then it can bottleneck your entire progress. So I didn't want to build a website until I had a logo that I really loved. And then uh, once I got the website developed, it was like, wow, there is a lot of content that we've got to put on this platform and it's got to feel good. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of deciding with you, um, creating this company was creating a better experience for people and it was creating a better experience for people in the construction industry and uh identifying where those bottlenecks are is so important logo was important to me and having a website that was educational but still fun is also very important and kind of identifying all right well this is that's the hierarchy let's tackle those two things and then what happened is there's there's just lots of openings i wanted to broadcast more about the company because I really loved what we had done uh, with the website and I feel like when you're working with a strategic communication specialist, uh, are they helping you um, engage in the plan and mm-hmm. are they able to communicate with you effectively? <laughs> we kind of laughed about this earlier. Uh, are they able to communicate what they'll do for you? Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: it's, it's really important when you're, this is an evaluation process of when you're going to work with someone as well as while you're working with that person in any relationship or in business relationships are important. And it's really important here because it's not always just about do the personalities mesh and do they understand your vision? That stuff's important, but what I think is really important is that you feel supported, but also challenged. Um, And it's gonna be your job as a business owner to, to try to not feel offended if you're challenged, but to critically say, okay, can I do, let me, let me absorb this. And, you know, your, your person, I may be off base and that's okay if I am, and you can tell me that or you can, we can move through it. And I'm like, all right, we're not going to take that idea, <laughs> but it is that person's idea to challenge you. And, you know, you, you brought up the logo, your logo. And the, the reason why, you know, I think that we needed to come, go someplace different for your logo is because your logo, your original one was a nod to, um, sort of a legacy construction industry, and playing in that space versus BIM industry, which is an evolution of the construction industry. It's just it's a little it's a nuance, but it was a different thing that to get everything else you were doing progressive to to match it, that needed to catch up. And so, yes, it's it's a visual, but it was important because there was thinking behind that 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 got that got you where you landed. Um,
0: certainly unlocked. And I also some things. Did you, your, yeah, yeah. It, it just sort of like freed things up. But sorry, go ahead. What were you going to say? I, and I think it gave you the freedom
1: to just. Can, it was another step in giving yourself the freedom to take a leadership role in this space, um, which which you're doing, and um, your communications are are showing that. Uh, You know, the other thing is that I, that I, that I've mentioned to you in the past too, but that I think it's important is that your communications person or your team, people that you're working with need to ask you curious questions. And I love that because um, people, I think that that's, that's like where, that's where my intelligence lands is that I can ask good questions. And I think that you, you know, I don't have to be the expert in BIM when we, you and I meet. That's not my job. My job is to listen to you and to, sit, to really think about what you're telling me and to try to put it into practice, either in ways that things that I don't understand or things that I do and apply it and ask you those questions so that more than likely what it does is it just gets your wheel spinning too. And sometimes it's directly related to something I've asked, or sometimes it makes you springboard off to something else that Uh, gives us another idea or gives us, you know, something to, to really um, hold on to as a key message. So this stuff evolves, particularly as for startups, the stuff evolves. Um, Sometimes when you're established, it's more about how can we take a fresh look at what you're doing and make sure that, you know, your, you know, new people know who you are in a market. Um, But for, for startups, it really does kind of evolve and you need to be able to, to have somebody that Uh, can kind of be flexible with you during that process.
0: So I asked you to put together five tips for putting together a marketing strategy. One of my tips that I will give people that, I don't know if you wrote this one down, but the person that you're hiring or interviewing, are they taking notes? And what I really appreciated is that I had gone into several agency um, meetings with, there was, you know, a person specifically there to take notes and they weren't taking notes. And so the few agencies that I experienced that, you know, t- I knew that the things that were coming out of my mouth would land on a document that could be used at any point moving forward, but at least I knew that there I had confidence that the the my concerns, my messaging, the desires that I needed to lay out there were being noted. Um, mm-hmm. And that was like really great working with you. So, where did you, where did you, what did you pull together for our five tips?
1: So, uh, we've covered a couple of them. Understand your options. Um, Don't, you know, and and, and make sure you explore those options. At least at a minimum, talk to a freelancer, talk to a smaller boutique agency, and talk to a larger agency. just, just to get a feel for it, just to get a sense of uh, if what 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 environment is going to work for you. Um, and the second is meet the people that uh, meet the team so that you not only understand a lot of times, you know, you're going to talk to their new business person or you're going to talk to the owner and make sure that you get a sense of having a one-on-one with the actual people that you're going to work with. Because uh, if it's at a small, any type of agency, you'll likely have a a different team or a mix of the people you met and some new people. So it's I think it's really important that you just get to say who am I, you know, who do I have access to, but who am I actually communicating to with on a on a daily weekly basis? Because um, those those things can be different. So you you need to know that so that it doesn't feel like a bait and switch to you. The uh, the third thing is um, understand their process, and um, you know we all have everyone has a process. At e- And every agency has a process and they'll call it different things. Um, I am so basic. My PR uh, 101 class at St. Bonaventure, like my methodology is rope. And I know everyone loves a good acronym and that's just research objectives, planning, objective execution. And I know it sounds silly because there's there's so many um, amazing marketing books out there and so many things that have been written, but really for me, what drives me of these basics of making sure that you have these pieces in place, that way you've done your due diligence to get yourself at an end where you can measure and say, yes, this was successful. No, it wasn't. Let's do something different. Um, so you need to understand someone's process. And sometimes people have uh, glossy names for their process and what they what they do and what they and, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they follow it. It's more of their own marketing. Um so to test that, I would give people, a couple, if, they're, if you're learning about someone's process, the way that you can kind of test that when you're in a meeting with somebody is to have them um, walk you through a few examples of how they've used that process successfully with clients. And, you know, that's a little bit different than asking them for a testimonial, but it's specifically asking you, t- talk me through your process and how that, that was successful for a client of yours. Um, that way, you can kind of test if they're they're actually following it. Also, um, making sure that they don't have sweeping statements like, you know, okay, we're going to eat you on th- we're going to eat you on social. We're going to like making those sweeping statements. But if they make any sort of statement like that, that it's prefaced with, well, we need to look about. We need to look about. Look at what you're doing and what you need, so that you don't feel like it's a one size fits all type of thing. That you feel like they're really digesting what you've got going on and can kind of give you very specific recommendations. And then lastly, we talked about this before too, but this is, it it feels silly, but just that they can articulate a next step to you. I don't know about you, but I've had some meetings in some former lives where I've laughed and I'm like, well, who's going to do what? What am I supposed to do? And it was my meeting and I'm just, what is going on? So now, um, I make sure that people understand what they're doing, what I'm doing, it's reiterated in the meeting, there's meeting notes after the fact, just so that people are on the same page, because I think that's one of the worst things that can happen is that you leave an interaction and you have an expectation that something's going to happen, and someone else for some reason was on a wrong page. And then that just gets frustrating for people. Now there could be perfectly good reasons why that happened and you can communicate and fix that if need be. But, um, so that's just really important just to make sure that they can articulate next steps that you leave meetings with people with clarity and not uh, confusion. Uh, One of my favorite methodologies that has been out there is um, that I also try to follow, but it's I'm imitating or stealing from the best I guess is there's a company called uh, Burson Marsteller which was uh, an agency that under the Young and Rubicam umbrella years back, and their methodology was called perception management. And basically what that meant is you have your audience over here. You have all these groups of people that you've determined are your primary audiences or your secondary audiences, but they're people that you need to communicate with. And they currently have a set of beliefs about the environment that you're in, the market that you're in, even about your competitors, about yourself. They have attitudes about that, they have behaviors about that. So that's currently what they're doing. But you're over here with your product and your services, and you want them to have act in certain ways and attitudes have behaviors that, that match up with what you're doing. And the gap in there is how do you get them from where they are to where you want them to be? And how do you do that in a way that is genuine and honest and that does in fact suit, will benefit them? And so when you start to look at that gap and measure that gap, you can say, okay, well, these messages will resonate with them. Here's where they are and where I can reach them in a meaningful way. Here's where, and you can start to build your marketing plan in that way as well. Um, you know, budget is a big thing that comes up, uh, obviously. And it's because, you know, you could, you could boost a Facebook post or you could, Hosted an event in Times Square, pre-COVID, you know, there, there's so many things and different ways that you can attack marketing, because really, it's a business function, but it also is a creative function. And because of that creativity element of it, there's so many ways that you can go about it, which can also make was one of the reasons why it can feel so overwhelming to people sometimes. Um, the budget conversation in these meetings, when you talk to people, and you're kind of vetting them is is always a funny one because it's it's always, it's a little bit of a dance. Money always is, right? So inevitably, the the agents, the agency or the um, freelancer is going to say, okay, well, what's your budget? And inevitably, you're going to say, okay, what should it be? <laughs> there's a there's a dance. Um, you know, it is good to have a sense of what um, mm-hmm your ranges and what you're comfortable with uh, because you don't want to send someone off on a goose chase at an agency when really you can, you know, you've got $10,000 for the year and they come back with all these big ideas that would be great, but you can't do. So when I help people kind of think about what their budget should be, um, there's a few different ways to think about it. I wish I could just say, you know, take, X percent of your revenue and that sh- that's what it should be. But that that feels, th- that I wish that it could be that simple, but that feels a little irresponsible just because there's too many, too many factors to consider. So I would just say that, um, you know, what you want to really look at is what your cost of acquisition is for a customer. And what I mean by that is, take a look at what your operational costs are as a company. Take a look at the revenue that's coming in. Um, Identify what your revenue goal is, how many sales you're going to need to achieve that, and then how many leads do you need to bring in the door to achieve that sales number. So once you get to that leads number, let's say, hypothetically, you need 100 leads for the year. Well, then what are you comfortable spending per lead? Is it a dollar because you're more of a commodity business? Is it $300 because you're more of a service? That can start to get you to a number where you feel comfortable, Um, and it can get you to, I would just say, you know, you can present somebody with a range. Say, actually, I'd love to to spend anything I could here, but it's probably gonna look like more like $15,000 this year, and what can you do for that? You know, if you come back with a number like that, and that really is realistically where you're comfortable right now, and maybe it's more and maybe it's less, some agencies themselves may take themselves out of the running and be like, I can't do it for that. Well, okay, then, then now you know where you stand. And maybe you know where you can go if you grow, if you were so impressed with them. Or, you know, others might say, all right, that's, you know, we, based on, we can prioritize that way. Now that we know that that's your budget, we can really prioritize. And that prioritization is going to be really helpful to you because that's part of the thinking that you're hiring them to do for you. Um, so that's something to think about. And then, just on a related note, there, uh, I, you know, I, am not sure how, how often people are, kind of pulling people into annual contracts anymore. Um, that's a little bit antiquated, but um, certainly businesses still need that marketing businesses because they need to project their own revenue and their employees and so on. But if you are just, you know, looking for an agency or or whatever. Um, consider doing some sort of project work upfront with them. Set a budget number where you can say, even if it's like $5,000 or whatever it is, say, I've got this amount of money and I'd love to do something with you. I'd love to see if we can drum up some leads, some interest. Um, how can we best use this money? And see if someone will do a project with you where they, you know, maybe it's six months, maybe it's a set amount of money that you, they use to put towards something. Um, there's all different agreements that people can do in terms of do you work on a monthly retainer? Is it um, hourly plus out of pockets, which basically is like you know time and materials in the in the in the construction world. So there's different ways of structuring your pricing too um, that could could help you be a little more flexible on your end. Yeah, and
0: I had a. Time. Do you want to continue? <laughs> because no, I, no, go ahead. In I in only have one final it. tip. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I was just thinking that like uh, I wished I could have outsourced this. I wish I could have. My goal was to outsource this to put this on uh, a specialist that could say, you know, just handle that. Um, and what I discovered was that you can't outsource this. You can't. Your the founder of the company is the most proficient in understanding the the vision and the goal. And so finding someone that can uh, serve as a coach to guide you through some of those things that you're talking about is, is I found very productive. It was a way of outsourcing, but not truly outsourcing, but making sure that I had um, advocacy when I was going into these um, situations where I needed to hire hire a firm to do more. And when you talked about budget, I thought it was interesting because I think you need to determine what what needs to be done with that budget our initial marketing budget was high because we needed to get the foundation of the website in place but then going Mm -hmm. into like a, a sustained budget uh year after year and then you can start getting into those um measurables you know like I'm putting this much dollars per month how many leads am I generating and start creating a scorecard and that's I think important because you can't even begin to tackle these question marks if you're not putting some portion of of your budget towards testing the idea and saying, Mm -hmm. oh, if I boost this type of post that we put on social media, am I getting leads from that? And you start in the beginning, yes, it feels like maybe spinning the wheels and it feels like you're putting um, money out there that you're not getting a return on. But what you're doing is uh, what you had said earlier is doing an audit, you know, what is effective? So that yeah. was, that was an excellent exercise to go through over the past two years. Three? No, we've been working together for about a year. Yeah. <laughs> it just just seems like longer. Is that a compliment? It feels like, <laughs> it like well, we, we certainly tackled a lot in a year. I mean, we went yeah. from, hi, I'm Corey. Hi, I'm Lindsay, to we're doing focus groups. Oh, discovering that clients think that we're too, that it's too expensive uh, of a service. And it's like, oh, that's the issue we have to tackle. No, BIM is actually like a very cost effective way of running your construction project if you're looking at it globally. So just running into those types of exercises was fantastic. But yeah, what were you going to say? Oh, so I was
1: just going to say the last tip, and it kind of speaks to exactly what you just said is, what can I do myself? And can I do myself? Really? (laughs) So, um, you know, there, it it is possible that, you know, you've got a great, you've got a great creative team in terms of the designs that you do in your own company. So a lot of the visuals and that sort of thing you have taken back in house to do because you can do it and you can do it to a standard that you're happy with it. Um, You know, uh, there just needs to be a realistic sort of like approach to this because no, you can't necessarily do everything on your own in the time that you, you want it up. Right. But yeah, maybe you can do something on your own. Like there's, there's some people that really, there's some people that really business owners that really get into the, the, the social media aspect of it. It's just because something that they, that they do personally. And so now they do it for their business and they're, it's just something that they're programmed and they really like to do. Um, and it's, it's natural for them to be that champion of, of, of their own business, but also put other interesting content up. Um, and they're engaging with other, other businesses and peers and suppliers, and they're just active. Like, that's something that they can do. But a lot of times, that's not the case. A lot of times, it's like, I know I need to be in this space. Or I'm seeing that my audience is in the space, but that's not something that I make time for. So there just needs to be reality checks built in about, what can we do and how can we sustain it and can we do it ourselves or do we need help to, to sustain it? So that all kind of goes into when prioritizing things as well. Um, I'm a big, and I, you know, you mentioned that I work with entrepreneurs and um, nonprofits. So a lot of what I do uh, is almost, this may be counterintuitive to, to some business owners, but a lot of this feels good with me, head, heart, alignment is to, try to get to people to a place where I almost phase myself out of a job because we, I mean, you and I have talked, I believe some, at some point you will get to a point in growing your company where you need to hire someone internally who sits next to you, who can be there and be a pulse of Tiberbilt. But, um, you know, I want to empower people with, with ways to be able to help themselves in, in the ways that they can and that they enjoy. Um, I've worked with a a women-owned business. Um, It was actually a a salon and spa, but they, uh, for a long time, like they didn't even they they didn't do social. They didn't they didn't know how to uh, talk to the media. They they really there was just so much that they just it felt overwhelming. And I was laughing because this week I I saw on their social media because they're posting frequently and meaningfully um, that they had been on the news. And I was like, well, how did that happen? (laughs) But I was very proud of them, because this is something that three years ago, they never would have felt comfortable doing. And they, we got them to the point that they were like, okay, I can do this, I know what to do, what not to do. And we're able to do that for themselves. Like, that's empowering. And that's just one more, one more tool in their their toolbox. I'm really enjoying all the construction analogies I'm bringing to this conversation. (laughs) You're preempting my construction analogies
0: (laughs) because honestly like our marketing endeavor is like a design build project. It's like so yeah how long is my design how many design cycles am I going to go through? How many reworks am I going to go through? And then like am I sprinting to to the end? And then uh, we did take a fair bit of um, we did communicate with the the website development company that we're working with uh, to say, we'll want to be, able, we don't, let's not make this so such a cumbersome website that we can't update it ourselves. And yeah. we uh, work hand in hand with the website developer, which again, feeds back to your, uh, make sure that you're meeting the team that you're working with. And so being able to work directly with the, um, the technical uh, executor of the website and coding and all of that, uh really empowered us because we could have we could have lots of visions as to what functionality we wanted to exist on the website to make our user experience fantastic but if it takes like you know hours to code and can easily break and uh is inconsistent with um us being able to like make changes quickly and it's not really going to fit with our you know our ability to grow um, Okay, so you said it, media, media coaching, how this is, I've talked to, I've asked many people to like, come on the podcast and say, you know, like, your story is amazing. And the first response, I guess, oh, I'm just not comfortable, you know, speaking. And I will say this to my kids all the time. I'm like, well, maybe you're not well practiced at it. And maybe, maybe you need to like, let your give yourself a break and say, it's okay to have a coach to get you through this. Um, and I would say that that's one of your incredible strengths is doing media coaching to train, train someone up to be able to comfortably communicate their message. Um, so I wanted to cover some of the techniques that you had coached me through, um, and just get your feedback on, on, I don't know, that, that, that service that you provide. Yeah.
1: Um. You know, there's a there's some dynamics that go on there. First is that you know some people just aren't natural public speakers. That 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 idea of being put on the spot or maybe being misquoted it, it just sort of roots in a fear a little bit of you know I don't want to look I don't want to I don't want to be embarrassed I don't want to do something if I don't do anything I'm not harming anything if I do something I can potentially do something detrimental. So there's a fear there a little bit, um, but. Also, you could do something and it could turn out really, really well. <laughs> um, with media, uh, there a, there's a, is a loss of control because, you know, if you're putting something on your website, you've read it, you reviewed it, maybe you wrote it yourself and it's there and you controlled it. With media, it is um, someone, a reporter is interpreting what you say to create a story. And um, so you don't have control necessarily what the output, what it looks like. Now, if there's if there's something wrong with it, like if something inaccurate, you, right, you can have that corrected. But you don't have control. But the cool part is, is that sometimes it works out really great. If you even if you don't have control, um, if you have if you're prepared, to your point, if you're prepared and you show up prepared, and you deliver your key messages and you give context, and then you perf- you you give them images and you you give them an experience, if you've created that, then likely the, the person that you've interacted with will walk away with a clear picture and be able to tell that story. Um, but that, just, that doesn't just happen necessarily. You do need to build confidence and practice and figure out what those pieces are. So um, <laughs> we, we talk about it being that you walk into a media interaction with an agenda and that the media, that person is going to walk into the agenda, the meeting with an agenda. So there's two agendas and where they overlap is where the kind of sweet spot happens. Certainly, the media is going to be there to get a story about uh, whatever this product and service is. How does it benefit their readers? Um, how does it fit in the bigger picture of an industry? Um, is it a change agent? Is it the first ever? What, what What makes this newsworthy? And that's what they're going after, more than likely. Um, and then you're walking in thinking, okay. I want to express myself clearly. I want people to understand what we do. I want this to get on their radar so they can consider it in the future. And I would really love to spark people to action to where they want to work with me and uh, pay me to do so for my business. And so you, you kind of, so the media is going to ask questions and you're going to answer uh, based on your agendas and, and what, and, and so on. Um. I always say that it's really important to understand the media uh, in terms of who you're meeting with. Um, not only just the reporter, maybe they're, maybe they're, they're the types of stories that they write and the types of questions they may ask, but also just the outlet themselves. If you're talking to a local business journal, that's different than maybe... Um, a, th- th- it's absolutely different than if you're talking to a trade magazine or something more lifestyle. So you have, have to understand the angle that someone may, may, be, may be interested in. Um, and then we always coach on Q equals A plus one. That is a fun exercise.
0: <laughs> I think you made my staff extremely uncomfortable with all this exercise. <laughs> It's okay. We grow through uncomfort. We do grow. Right? Um, one of the fun things that you had us do is through these exercises, you had uh, one of us record the other, but using that person's phone. So the recording of the interview was on the person's phone that was being <laughs> <No>. interviewed. So, <laughs> And then it was great because we were, the homework was go back and watch <laughs> yourself. And the entire staff was just like, yeah, uh, no, not comfortable. Um, but it is. It's it's identifying the things that you're uncomfortable with that you wouldn't necessarily want to replicate. And being able to, you know, be cognizant of that when you're in a situation um, is important. So Q, Q A QA plus one, what was it? Is that what you just said? Yep. So that's where
1: you're being asked a question. And you can answer questions. Most of the time, questions are pretty neutral. Usually 99% of the time in a media interview with the, that you would do for your business, it's not you know something combative. So It's not a negative question. Um, it's either, it's, it's pretty a neutral question or it's asked in a positive way that's leading. Um, and so you can come back with you, where you answer the question. That's A. So is this interesting? I ask you a question, you answer. You ask another question, I answer. It becomes a ping pong match. So I can say, well, Lindsay, Q, a, Q equals A plus one is actually question equals answer plus one. And what that plus one means is I'll make this more interesting for you. I'm going to give, I'm going to bridge to something else. And more than likely what I'm going to, that plus one is, is I'm going to bridge to a topic that I want us to talk about. I'm going to try to direct the interview a little bit, or I'm going to reinforce one of my key messages, which is in the case of let's say built. Uh, Yes, we are, we're a a BIM, um, one of the first BIM uh, companies doing this in residential in the country. And what's really interesting, let me hit you with a plus one here, is that what BIM helps address is uh, some of the waste that's happening in the construction industry. And then it starts, you can kind of start to direct it and take it in a whole new place. So Q equals A plus one is just, and this works in sales. This works in your life and conversation. And this works in media that you answer the question, but then you take it someplace else. You add a little bit of um, a little something extra to it. And so we talk about those types of things when we are doing media coaching. Um, we talk about things like the, I mentioned bridging techniques. Um, and those are adopting phrases into your vernacular in the way that you speak, so that you can help direct the conversation a little bit. Um, there may be cases where you want to uh, quickly answer something, uh, and then you want to just redirect. You want to deflect from it and move on. So you say something like, "Yes, uh, that can be the case, but what I really want to focus on is this over here." So that, but I really want to focus on was a bridge to take us somewhere else. One um, I, I use all the time is that. Being said. So I'll answer something and they'll say, well, with that being said, um, (laughs) let me take you over here to something that I wanted that I'd rather you focus on. So we talked through, We, we, know, when we did our session, we did a number of um, different ways in which you could do that. And part of the homework was asking you to uh, find those phrases, find those ways to help you maneuver through maybe an uncomfortable situation to get you to a more comfortable situation. Um, and that helps when you're saying, when people are saying, like, oh, I don't want to do this. I, I'm worried about it. If you can arm you with a few things like that to help you get away from the uncomfortable space and back into the comfortable space, um, it actually is a pretty powerful thing.
0: It is. And I uh, can circle back to uh, the founder of the company is typically, like, the most effective at being able to communicate. Um But that's not actually always the case in the sense that uh, because the vision is big, sometimes it's hard to be concise. And I think that's one of the key things that you put us through was, you know, the elevator speech. How do you, you know, how do you say it in 30 seconds? How do you say it in five seconds? What are the, you know, five key words or whatever that you want to infuse in that? And to, uh, you know, how did you guide us through being able to hone down like the big story, which is. We love building information modeling because it, you know, every day our world is influenced by construction and how it's done. And it's just this, it feels big, but when you're in a conversation or being interviewed, it's not going to serve your purpose to go to the big message. So, how do you narrow things down to key messaging? Well, um, a few things.
1: Uh, when I'm t- one of the reasons that I am a ferocious note taker is because I watch and listen for the things that you say over and over again. Um, and I also am able to something that you say minute two in our interview and then minute or in our meeting and then minute 38 in our interview may pair together more strongly than what you, the things that you were pairing together. So one of your communicators, uh, most important gifts is to be able to help with your positioning and to help you tell that more compelling story. And as I listened to you and your team and we had several meetings and I gathered information, I was able to give an elevator speech to talk about you guys. And I, because I don't have the benefit of having all the history and even the industry knowledge, I was able to do it in a way that was digestible for people. So really that's one of the key things that your consultant or agency should be able to do for you is to listen to you and take what you say and make it digestible. And we went through several exercises to do that. Um, we created a uh, just a key messaging grid, which took it audience by audience, topic by topic, and put three key messages underneath each. These, there's a number. If you just, if people wanted to even just Google a uh, key message template or key message grid, there's a lot of templates online that are available for free just to help people see kind of what I'm what I'm talking about. Um, you can identify those per audience and per message and, and and kind of call that down and once you do that you can kind of move into this process of well what is your actual uh, brand brand positioning and what is your what is your what is your usp or your unique selling point like and you can start to get to you start to see these themes develop and that kind of refines this process to get us to those main things that we say over and over again that are on our website that we talk about that are reinforced to add clarity to what we do. Um, the thirty, the the elevator speech is a is a fun exercise. It's fun for me to watch and coach through, but uh, also participate. <laughs> so we tell people we say, "All right, Lindsay, you've just gotten in an elevator. You're on, you're you're on the you're on the top floor. You have thirty seconds because it's a really tall building <laughs> to get to the first floor. And someone walked in and they said." who are you? Hi, who are you and what do you do? And you have 30 seconds to do that. Um, and it's, it's, it's interesting because, it's interesting because it's interesting to hear what you said and what your, what your uh, teammates at Tiberbilt said. We also did this at the focus group after they had, uh, that we conducted early on and working with you, where we showed them things about your business, we, we tested some things. And we gave them, told them to write a thirty-second thing out about what they heard. Um, and so it's interesting to compare those things because when you're new to something, you try to generalize it the best that you can to have it resonate. When you're immersed in something, you're trying to like just what is it? Herd cats? Is that the expression? You're trying to wrangle yeah. in so many tangent and dotted line thought processes that you have. To be concise, and it's just it's this reverse sort of thing that's happening. When so someone someone like me should be able to help you bridge that to say, all right, every single thing that you said was important, but it felt complicated because it's just too much too soon. We need to say something a little more general to like that will that will resonate with people. And what we found out is that if you say to people, well you know if you that what we found out is that everyone thinks that building a home or renovating a home can be an exhausting stressful frustrating process but they always almost always love the end result and what you knew was that there was pain points within that process with both your your consumer your homeowner but also you know on the on the professional side as well the builders and so on there can just be frustrations that exist And so you had recognized those pain points, but it sort of translated that into like this, it doesn't have to be this way. Like we can, we've got something to actually make this a more positive experience all around. And, um, you know, you, we've come to accept that that's just the way that it is, but you don't have to accept that. It's sort of like, Whoa, tell me more. We don't have to accept this. So we just sort of work through again, where people are at and trying to meet them where they're at and start them because, then we talk about the experience. All right, if we give a general description to someone and they sort of get it, then maybe they go to your website and they get some more information. And then maybe they talk to you and then they get you more information. This idea of a customer experience comes into play because every place where they may come to find you, you've taken a little bit different approach in how you're communicating. And it just sort of builds, builds out that entire customer experience for them. Um, but I would encourage anybody in business right now. And this is a fun, even you can do it on Zoom with your employees. You can do it as a lunch and learn. Do the elevator exercise where, and, and so first what you do is you say, you've got 30 seconds to, and I give people about three minutes to write this, but you've got about 30 seconds to talk to someone in an elevator. They don't know who you are or what you do, but they're asking, write it down. Take three minutes and write it down, what you, what you would say to them. And then share them with each other, read what you wrote and see what the differences are. Um, and if you nail it and you all are the same and it's very clear, congratulations. Uh, but likely you'll see some, you'll you'll hear a different way about someone thinks about something or you'll be like, Oh, that was a little bit too much layer of detail. And it's, uh, it's worth it just to get on the same page because if you're communicating about your business, whether you have three employees or you have 500 employees, consistency is really important and you need to make sure that, Because, again, back to the customer experience, that they're not getting mixed messages, that they're hearing the same things over and over again, so that that becomes something that they adopt as their own attitudes and beliefs about you.
0: It's a challenge. It is, I think, one of the reasons why I knew I needed to bring someone with your expertise into the mix is that uh, bringing Tiberbilt to to the market, where I am, um, which is a well-established market, you know, very, I would say conservative. And um, it was interesting because I needed to bring vernacular, industry-specific vernacular to an audience that had no interest in uh, understanding what BIM is, building information modeling. And then I had bidirectional associativity. And I'm like, I have to communicate (laughs) these really annoying words, like words created by uh, software engineers to um, to the home consumer and the home renovator. Uh, so it was it, it's been a challenge the whole way through, and I can say that um, having your expertise and having someone that really takes the time to understand and communicate back to me well um, and. Honestly, like, gives me those hard truths where I'm like, oh, that's what people are challenged by. They think that we're going to be more expensive than we actually. Oh, I get it. That's fantastic. Um, all of the exercises we've gone through have been extremely worthwhile, and being able to be concise about what we need to communicate. I mean, it certainly paid off. I mean, we were uh, featured in the Rochester Business Journal. We got the cover story, and the last line in the article was, "If innovation isn't." In- only ma- innovation only matters if you're improving the customer experience. And, you know, when we had kind of prepped for that interview, it was, I need people to understand that, that you know, technology influencing construction is extremely important, but only, only if you like it. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say that all of our exercises have been um, extremely useful. And if anyone's out there and they want to reach out to you, is there, are you on LinkedIn? Do you have your own social
1: yeah, um, the best way is through LinkedIn and um, Corey Spike Carter. They can find me there. I'm the only one.
0: <laughs> best name ever.
1: <laughs> I know it was hard. It was hard to, the, that made a name. It was hard to It <laughs> it was it was hard
0: to give it up a little bit. <laughs> it's a good nod. I like so the I evolution of all of them. <laughs> Just keep it. Um, well, thank you so much for your time. And uh, yeah, of course we'll talk. But thank you. Thank you. Take care. Bye. <laughs> we uh-huh.